0: When you sort of rob Peter to pay Paul to use the aphorism, I, I think that, that it does catch up in the end, and you end up not being able to do those kinds of deep work that you want to do.
1: Welcome back to the Faculty Factory Podcast, friends. This is Kim Skurupski. On today's H3 Habits and Hacks from Hopkins, I'm very pleased to introduce you to Dr. Alistair Kent. Alistair, how are you doing today?
0: Hi, Kim. Thanks for having me on the podcast. I'm doing well. How are you?
1: Well, good. I'm great as, you know, as good as can be sitting in the basement, but I wanted to have you first start by introducing who you are and what you're doing here at Hopkins.
0: Sure thing. So I'm Alistair Kent. I'm a trauma and emergency general surgeon and surgical critical care doctor and part-time health services researcher and quality improvement project person. I've been at Hopkins for about five years now. I trained at Ohio State before that for general surgery and then finished up fellowship training here and stayed on as faculty after that.
1: And I'm sure this past 10 or so months has been interesting when you say part-time researcher. I wonder if you'll be able to share in in part of your habits and hacks about leadership, how you've been able to manage during a global academic, a global academic, (laughs) a global epidemic. Um, trying to take care of patients on the front lines while attending to your academic career and research and program building. But what did you want to share with us, things you do that are have made you a leader here?
0: Sure. Well, I mean, I think right off the bat, thinking about how do you organize clinical service responsibilities, your research interests, your mentorship, and the other various projects, I, I think that that becomes like really a major part of what I think about and do in terms of being able to keep up. A couple of years ago, I started approaching it with a mindset of running it like a small corporation in terms of my life, career, et cetera. And so there are multiple calendars that overlap for the different channels of projects that I'm working on or things I have to do at the house or you know, clinical responsibility or research. Uh, and they're all sort of somewhat themed so they can be pretty efficiently looked at at a glance. And then just making sure that that is streamlined in a way that that information is always available either through, um, phone widget that it, you know, I don't have to click on and reducing the number of like tap interfaces and, uh, that kind of thing to allow more rapid access to that information. Uh, it kind of partial or, uh, you know, as an adjunct to that, I started using, uh, project management software to help um, get a more strategic view of you know these different projects and what do you choose and and I think a lot of the challenge has been uh, you know in these types of positions you often are not able to focus uniquely on one or two projects because the time sensitivities of other various tasks or you know range from a few seconds to a few months and the other people you're working with may not be able to respond and you know anywhere in that range and so having you know, a board or a very uh, clear chart of dependencies of what things need to be done before other things is is very helpful in staying organized and staying on top of that.
1: Well, that that is really cool. I, nobody has yet to talk about um, corporatizing our work. And you said project manage. It sounds like you have a lot of an engineering type way of thinking uh, about you. And I'm curious, did you come about that naturally is that something like you grew up with an engineering uh, someone in the family or you took classes or do you think that's part of um is it something you purposely tried to develop as following you know the function of the nature of your work that you felt you had to develop that versus purely so you know a a skill that you were born an innate talent per se
0: yeah no purely a survival skill developed (laughs) over time i think um you know, I, I was a uh, math and chemistry major in undergrad, and so a lot of the work was more deep and focused and less interruptible, let's say, and I uh, wisely or unwisely chose a career that gives me quite a bit of time flexibility, but in the sense that when I'm generally available, I'm very interruptible. The pager may go off at any second now, and you may hear me have to run off the phone quickly, but... uh that's uh, sort of the, the price of it, and, and it, it matched up with a lot of my clinical and academic interest as, as well. but the thinking of it in terms of more, you know project-oriented or, or engineering oriented was really just the, seeing that there were so many things that had to be done, and, and rather than spending so much time on emails and making endless paper lists of checkboxes that you know you, you end up with a list of lists. Just yeah. so you can figure out where, you know, in the stack of paper it is. I thought that, you know, there's got to be a better way. And at first I played around with like Excel and writing algorithms to make it make sense. And then figured out that there were some commercial products that that did this, yeah. <laughs> essentially. And, you know, I've, I've tried a few of them, uh... And found them very helpful.
1: You're preaching to the choir here. I love. Um, I love a good process. I'm wondering that that whole the nature of your job, where you are an emergency physician and you have to be able to again, on a dime, quickly pivot to literally save a life. How hmm. does that translate to your research work? Do you? How do you get into that deep? thinking writing space when your brain is so programmed to almost i don't want to say anticipate but be prepared to Mm -hmm. hop skip over to the next thing quickly do is that a challenge for you or have you how have you how have you figured out to tell the brain okay i'm not on so i do have the the latitude and the space to go deep and rest and be here versus that kind of awareness of at any moment now the pager is going to go off.
0: Yeah, no, it's a huge challenge. And I I think it's one of the things that has been several years and trying to figure out how do you address that and really get into that thinking space where you're able to sit back and develop a complex idea. And I, I think there is quite a contrast from the undergrad experience of having an empty room full of, you know, old school chalkboards by myself where I can literally put thoughts out in a visual space and walk around them and have as much time as I need to do it to being swamped with other things and potentially multiple emergencies at the same time and not really knowing what to expect. I think that in terms of how do you flip on and off has really come about with, you know, trying to take care of your physical and mental health or trying to, find ways to mentally exercise to stay centered so that when you do have an opportunity to do that, you can clear your head and be able to do that that kind of work. And I think it's like having appropriately set expectations for that also helps and prevents some frustration of like, why can't I think straight? Why, you know, why am I so tired and foggy? And then understanding that like when you are exhausted and need to to go through some of these steps to recover, that that's something that needs to have similar priorities to, other things that, you know, also are of course important and need to be done. So really focusing on on that and maximizing the amount of time that you do it. And I think that the price of it is flexibility. And sometimes it means you're doing work at midnight or one in the morning or waking up at three and going to bed at four PM. And it's, it's sort of it happens when it happens, but having a little more relaxed attitude towards the clock and focusing on that as a priority has been quite helpful
1: focusing on the clock or less focus on the clock i found a silver lining these past 10 months has been just that that the time is more fluid to me so i mean back maybe a year ago in our leadership classes i may have bristled when someone would have said well you just got to figure it out you know dr kent maybe you just have to do your research work from midnight to 4 a.m i would have like you know, tackle the person from across the room saying, Don't you dare tell our faculty that they have to work, their only time to work is from midnight to four. And so, still, of course, we want to be very cautious of um, mm-hmm. burning out faculty. I mean, we, we yep. absolutely do not endorse that. And because of this new COVID or temporary normal, I found myself that time is much more fluid, that rather than cramming everything crazily into my day I'm putting air quotes up now that it's now my day my work time is 7 days a week and if I feel like you know going to the gym in the afternoon to beat the the covid crowds I'll go mm-hmm. mid afternoon to the gym but now I could be working later in the evening or Saturdays and Sundays are more likely to happen for me than in the olden days because of that mindset and so I think And I'm not saying this just to say that this is a new reality. This is the way it works. This is the way it's always going to be. But I'm tapping into what you said earlier, that it sounds like you have a real keen mindfulness awareness of just situations as they shift and change. And you're not so austere or or so strict with a schedule because sometimes as, you know, people like me who are very much into like an agenda, like Mm -hmm. a schedule that that gives some kind of um comfort and safety of knowing a schedule it can also lock you into this sense of thou shalt and thou must and then you are up mm-hmm. against the clock versus this more fluid mindset of letting things happen when they happen organized chaos i don't know what am i trying to say here i mean does that <laughs> make
0: any sense well, I, <laughs> yeah well I, you know i think you're you're getting a, some a lot of the value of why People like schedules in the first place, and it, it, and it allows you to protect yourself. And in terms of like being able to take care of these other non-work functions and avoid the burnout and that kind of thing. And I think the danger in these more flexible times, they say, is that it, it does creep into other parts of your life that you may not necessarily want it to be. And it, it takes a lot of, I think, practice and discipline and forgiving yourself. Uh, you know, if nothing else to be able to kind of come back and readdress, you know, like, did I not value, you know, my friends and family, my Mm -hmm. own emotional health, my, uh, in which, you know, a lot of times can sound like that's a a luxury. But in in reality, I think is if you're not taking care of that, you're not going to be able to perform those deep work functions. I mean, I think we can, I can train people to burn the candle like not just at both ends, but throw the whole thing in the fire all day and train them like a Navy SEAL, and they can work 120 hours a week. And I've done that. And but the problem is, you you lose the ability to, to take a step back and, and be strategic. And and it's how do you keep that skill up to be able to do it? But at the same time, kind of start to slowly ratchet back and then you know incorporate these other things and take a longer perspective. And I think that that's really you know the challenge I deal with every day. And I think a lot of people in the junior faculty role, especially in, in the surgical departments and, you know, other similar kind of non-scheduled specialties or critical care, that kind of thing can uh, have similar effects.
1: Yeah, the, the, the problem with that is that the Navy SEAL approach is you can't sustain it. You know, mm-hmm. we talk about that in WAGs, writing accountability groups, that you just, you can't sustain a binge. So, you yeah, you could have a season of we're all writing our pants off to make this grant application Mm. deadline but you're not going to be able to sustain that level of writing and productivity long term you will be exhausted nobody can sustain a marathon every day i guess unless you're forrest gump but then you will burn out and then everything else will suffer so yeah having
0: and adrenaline help yeah (laughs) but yeah you suffer for it. it it's not a it's not a free pass you know
1: yeah like I so, every you know, people are maybe listening to us right now saying, okay, this, all, this waxing poetic sounds wonderful, but tell me, Dr. Kent, what like one, two, three, four, I mean, what specific things or recommendations do you have for someone like you out there who's a junior faculty yeah. person and they're listening to this going, this sounds nice for you, but I don't know how, what yeah. should I literally do?
0: I'm glad you asked. I I literally have the meeting I have after this one is with a resident who's um, (laughs) having some similar struggles and I'm (laughs) going to have to come up with that anyway. So, uh, you know, I I made a a commitment several years ago now when I was uh, in the middle of residency to not give up reading things that weren't work. And so since 2010, probably I've read about 60 books a year. And I think the, over time, the the content has changed a little bit and, and been from, you know, initially, I think it was more to make my brain think in ways that wasn't just surgical work, uh, you know, and, and a lot of uh, fiction and ideas and things like that. And now it's, it, I've tried to hone it a little more into things that are a little more challenging in terms of new ideas or things I don't particularly enjoy, but that Help me once I've read them. Think about problems in a different way. Very good. It's sort of sort a mental exercise.
1: Love
0: it. Um, you, know, you know, exercise. We I talked about a little bit earlier, but I, I think you know some people are are like oh, I, I get up in the morning and I make myself do it, and it's just so important. And I I'm, have never been that person. I'm, I'm every time I've tried to get up and work out in the morning, it's been the worst decision i've made all day <laughs> uh, i feel terrible i can't focus I, nothing gets done and so i like <laughs> for you know everybody out there that's like oh man i just i, I get just so disheartened by these people that seem to have so much energy in the morning i'm like oh, i'm with you <laughs> yeah I, I'm, um, with you.
1: I'm with you too i get uh, that oh makes me mad And when i i do like on the weekends right. i'll work out but i'm usually mad when i'm doing it <laughs> And then I, uh, my, because for me, my workout every day is at the end of the day for me to blow off mm-hmm. steam yeah. and my brain can like kind of turn off and I just go. And that's my favorite part of my day is at the end of it. So if I do my favorite thing in the morning, then I'm sad and mad the rest of the day.
0: <laughs> now i got to go over those stuff. Yeah. No, I, 100%. And I think I, I'm definitely a fan of that like 8 p.m. workout and, mm. you know, you, it. you do uh, and get like you said, you, you can let that cerebral part of your brain go and let the cerebellum do some work and then have a good sweat and feel like you did something. And it's just, it makes the, a lot of that like accumulated tension and stress of the day go away. And I found that that's actually a really great time, like that post-workout to sit and do sort of focus exercises and, you know, meditation if, if that's, one way to do that, or if it's more kind of, I would say almost a physical meditation, like kind of making sure that you know you you are present in what you're doing and, and where your positions are and those sorts of relaxing exercises. And I think those have been very helpful. Yeah, in terms of taking that step back. I think in terms of more of you know maybe practical tips and tricks, I found that if you uh, limit your email access. Maybe counterintuitively, you end up getting more done, or I do. Right. I uh, will typically sort of make the rule that you know I'll check emails in the morning and then in the afternoon. I break that rule all the time, <laughs> but uh, when I when I do stick to it, it, it is I think more productive, and I'm very rarely miss anything that is time sensitive. Just mm-hmm. With the I also I'll have the phone and everything like that, but you know limiting the venues by which I'm interruptible right. um, and try, I think rather than just learning how to say no, it's sort of learning ways to limit access or, or at least limit interruptible access. Right. So you're not that you're necessarily going to be able to say no to everything that comes in, but that it, it allows you to process that in a oh predictable way.
1: On your time um, and not the your phone or your gadgets time. Right. right. Or other people's time.
0: Other thing, you know, i running meetings. I found that, if you do the pre-work of making sure you have your pre-meetings with everybody else that's supposed to be there, and think of it almost like a, a policy analysis, and you're you're constructing a landscape and figuring out who has uh, equity in whatever you're discussing and what they want, the meetings go much smoother. And not only do you go faster in the meeting and, and can end on time, you can avoid having a lot of extra meetings. I, you know, one of my biggest pet peeves is planning to plan. Uh-huh. You know, it's like, let's have this meeting. And it's like, okay, well, we'll come back here in a week and we'll talk about this after we've thought about it. And I think the, the better approach is think about it before the meeting. You like know know where the problems are and then use the meeting as a tool to have consensus agreement and commitment happen, which has let me, I think, be a lot more efficient in some of these quality improvement projects and project implementation.
1: Oh, well, that's that. Is that it? Is that your list? Oh, here I'm. I'm. I'm madly like writing, <laughs> writing down notes. Going, this is great. But talk about efficiency. I was just going to say the theme with you, Doctor Kent, is efficiency. And yeah, a list so. of four things. Super efficient. <laughs> this has been wonderful. Did you have anything else to share with us, Doctor Kent?
0: I mean, I think those are the main things. It, it limit the times where you are interruptible to the extent that you can. Make sure you do things to sort of exercise and hone your mind and concentrating ability and be a balanced brain or balanced human and don't under-prioritize that. Mm. I think that when you sort of rob Peter to pay Paul to use the aphorism, I I think that that it does catch up in the end and you end up not being able to do those kinds of deep work that you want to do if you're not taking care of your your personal life your mental health your physical health with a lot of these and you know that's that's the temptation it's to just push and push and push and work on the, the thing that is at least the seemingly one important thing but if you're neglecting the other parts i think that you are not able to complete those things that you want to complete in the long run
1: that's right the system cannot hold if the parts are falling apart <laughs> I like, you're making me think of the, uh, something I always remind myself and remind my mentees when I coach them is just remember, you know, we're human beings, not human doings. So although, you know, doing is an important part of what we are, first and foremost, you are a human being, just so don't kill yourself or beat yourself up for just being rather than feeling like you always have to be doing. Otherwise, you won't be able to do unless you be at some point. (laughs)
0: Yeah, I think that's a helpful way to think about it.
1: Yeah, well, you've been giving us some great advice. I love the recommendations. Friends, you've been learning from Dr. Alistair Kent, and who better to teach us about efficiencies and being whole than an emergency doc doing emergency surgery. So thank you, Dr. Kent, for joining us on the Habits and Hacks from Hopkins. And friends out there, tell everybody else to join us on the Faculty Factory podcast. Till next time, see you later. Thanks, Alistair. Thanks for having me.